show where I interview people from the wonderful world of education who interest and inspire me. Now this is day two of the conference takeaway series of podcasts coming at you live from the ATM slash MA Easter conference 2019 in Warwick. That's right in it. And That's I'm right, yeah. <laughs> and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-host Joe Morgan. Hello Joe. Hello Craig. Now uh Day one conference podcast has already been listened to by quite a few people who are here. Um, and I don't think we have any corrections we need to make, or have we? Oh, um, Tom Francombe told me that a vinculum can be under the terms as well as over. He's absolutely right. Um, I then remembered also another example of a vinculum was it can go over re- uh, recurring decimals. And that's what they do in America. So apart from that, I don't think I've it. had people laughing at my pronunciation of fluxion which i did not swear when i said that just to be clear that wasn't a swear word but apart from that we we, we think we've got, we've got away with it we've yeah. survived that one yeah. so, well let's see if we can survive this one so before we get into the sessions um i've actually got a bit of an update from last night yeah. in the bar and this morning over breakfast so take us through last night joe um, so after the podcast, we went. Oh, first of all, I went down to the Enrich Run event in the main room, which was amazing because everyone was making marble runs and having the best fun. So obviously, we weren't involved in that because we were sure. doing the podcast. But I went in the room, and it was—I've never seen such an excited bunch of people. And they were all in teams making marble runs and testing them out, and it was fantastic. And there'll be more from Enrich later on in this show. Yeah, and then um, exactly because we went to a wonderful Enrich session, and then um, we went and had a drink in the bar um, with lots of lovely people, and. Um, Johnny Griffiths came and sat with us and um, people will know Johnny for things like the RISPs um, which, what's RISP? Rich starting points in maths or something? Rich yeah. starting points? Yeah, yeah so, I, so. I mean they're, they're A-level activities, they're very good and he's got a load of new ones out and he further RISPs. Yes. Um, but you know, he's he's uh, done lots of fascinating things in maths education and he told us some really funny stories. <laughs> he was great. He was. So he used to be in a band, Harvey and the Wallbangers, Correct. which is quite a big deal. I mean when you look at them on Wikipedia, and I should say for listeners, uh, Johnny's coming on the show, um, he's, he's about four interviews away, I'm, I'm interviewing him quite soon but I'm I'm going to release it a bit later on and already I'm excited because it mathematically is <laughs> great but there's so much more he's valued yeah. money so we're looking up Harvey and the Warbangers flipping Royal Variety performance they were Wogan Wogan, Wogan <laughs> was involved and he was but he was telling some great stories he was he? so he was talking about we were talking a lot about smile cards and SMP booklets and the sort of idea of students working through independently and the teacher kind of doing less teaching, which was a, was, was really fashionable for a while. And there's lots, there's some really great resources there. And he was talking about how um, he was a, a new teacher and um, he was asked to, to use smile cards. And because he was a musician, he wrote a rap, a smile cards rap, um, which he um, he performed to his students, and, and we have to hear some we of this. I bet it's amazing. And then um, yeah, and then he actually performed at the annual smile conference, um, and there was a bit of um, you know it's. Uh, 
there was a bit of controversy over some of the uh, the, the the lyrics or or something. The way he it sounds like it. there's a story there. There's, it, I can't wait to hear him do the rap on the podcast <laughs> or at least tell the story because it was very entertaining. So yeah, he's going to be a great podcast guest. So that's coming up, and then we uh, so that was the night done and dusted, and then breakfast this morning. We were joined by a special guest over breakfast. So we had Andrew Taylor. I mean, he's around. All the time. <laughs> he's always he's not a special there. guest. He's just Andrew <laughs> Taylor. But then we're joined by Danny Brown. Yeah, now, not lovely. Yeah. Podcast listeners will have heard Danny Brown because he was on the first slice of advice. What did I learn this year? And um, he contributed to that. But also, me and Danny, I'm not going to lie, we've had some run-ins um, over Twitter um, uh, over over the last kind of year or so. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? I'm I, again, I, I get nervous whenever I've had a bit of a run-in with somebody or a fallout, like, even if it's just over social media. Don't know about you, Joe, but I, I panic a little bit about kind of meeting oh, them in yeah. the flesh. Yeah, I was a bit nervous about this conference because there's yeah, there's there's um there's some clashes. Um, yeah, clashes is a good way, yeah. of, good way of saying it. Yeah. When I remember we spoke to him when we saw the delegate list for this yeah. conference. I'm thinking, uh oh, this this could be this could be an interesting one. I mean, yeah. Helen Williams was one of those, but me and Helen are best mates now. I mean, uh, <laughs> now she's been I've been on the show. Um, but yeah, Danny, I've never met Danny, and I'm thinking, uh oh, this could go either way. So I sat down for breakfast. So I'm I'm ready. I'm ready ready for mm. this just in case it's all kicking off. But what a lovely guy and it was absolutely lovely yeah and he's telling us about how he's trained to be a counsellor which sounds really interesting he kind of comes across as someone who'd be really good at that I think so um, and um, yeah really really had a nice chat with him so that and was he, he gave me a bit, of, a bit of good advice actually I just spoke to my wife before and I passed this on because he was he was asking me what I'm going to be doing next year because listeners will know I'm on a sabbatical from work this year and I'm tr- trying to think now I've got to make my mind up in the next few weeks what I'm going to do next year and I've had a few offers in and I don't know exactly which way it's going to go and I'm kind of worrying a little bit about it and Danny said to me he said he just looked at me held my gaze <laughs> and he just said you just got to live in the present got to live in the present and I thought Danny Brown you're right oh has he helped you make a decision there no not at all but I'm just I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting it off longer I'm just enjoying I'm enjoying being here in Warwick and I'll, I'll make oh, that decision later on so uh, yeah it was, it, it was great it was nice of him to join and us I'll tell you what again I'm going to be open and honest here um, I was apprehensive for this conference as a whole mm-hmm. um just because, like, we go to maths conf, don't we? And we know we know a good chunk of people. Yeah, and don't it's a we? very different crowd. Yeah. It's a different yeah. crowd. It's a different crowd. These that, are a that's lot. That's our of, tribe there. <laughs> yeah, these are a lot of people I've not met in the flesh before. Yeah. I know the names, but I've not met them. Yeah. So I was thinking again, this this could really go either way. But it, I don't know about you, Joe. I've had a lovely time. It's been oh, great, I love it. it. Well, okay, there's some really good things. The food at this it's conference is amazing. So Correct. we are just eating all the time. Correct. You're having like five plates of food <laughs> a go. But it's um, it's it's really really nice. The, the venue's nice there's lots of little places you can go and sit and you can go and chill out and do some maths Ooh. and um, the people we're sitting with in sessions are all lovely yes. so this is actually and it's it's very different to LaSalle conferences um, so anyone that's not been to a residential but has been to lots of LaSalle yes. they, they just don't really know yet. they have to come to a residential to see what it's like but I think the, it's it's obviously a different pace the <laughs> sessions are yeah. long aren't no, they so it's right. an hour and a half for every Correct. session um, whereas at LaSalle it's normally 50 minutes and you're lucky if you um, get 50 at LaSalle yeah. as well and so so, and then and then there's these long half hour breaks between sessions or, or like an you know it was an hour and a half for lunch yeah, yeah, it yeah, really, I think so. so it's all which means there's lots of time to chill out and chat to people and it feels much more relaxed um, but at the same time obviously it takes up a kind of whole week yes. of your holiday so there's pros and cons of that but um certainly if people haven't been to a residential conference then you know next year would be a there's there's this great ma one Jeez, happening another plug <laughs> 
<laughs> are they paying us for, for the plug in this? Any kind of it, sponsorship? Or uh, no, no, because they're a charity, and I and I, you know I am in charge of publicity for the MA. Well, so you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Flipping it. But yeah, it's um, residentials are different, and and I think uh, but I think we're both surprised by how much we are really enjoying we this one. It's time. really good. We're yeah. having a great time. All right, Joe. So let's get on to the session. So we split up for session one. So so tell me about uh, where you went and what you learned. I went to a session about the PMC, which is the Primary Math Challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, now the Primary Mass Challenge has been running 20 years. This is their big wow. anniversary year. Oh, now, bear in mind that the UKMT mm. runs all the secondary challenges. Yes. So they run the um, junior, intermediate and senior. And any secondary teachers who run these will be very familiar with how it works. You get the, you buy in a pack of tests, your students sit them at a certain time, you send them off for marking. Mm. And then if they do really well, they'll get through to the kangaroo and then the yes. Olympiad. And what, what they're actually doing there is they're finding the very best mathematicians in the country. And actually, it's a real shame for any school that doesn't enter their students into that because those very best mathematicians might kind of be lost mm. um so it's it's um you know they're really finding these these um, people that will then go off and study mathematics mm. and and do amazing things and so i'm right in saying like some year sixes would enter the junior one would they, they can do yeah. yeah i mean it's it's there's done no by lower, age there's, there's no an upper lower. age limit on it um and in fact, I've been talking to someone on Twitter recently who works in a real amazing high attaining kind of prep school, which is really super selective. And it sounds like she enters she enters some of her eleven year olds into the senior one. I think. And, you know, so, <laughs> that, so yeah, there's there's kind of no limit. Right, okay, but okay. the um, the primary math mm. challenge. So that's all run by UKMT, yeah. which is a separate organisation. Okay. And they have said that the MA can run the primary math right, challenge. Okay. So they've been running it for twenty years. And um, the big exciting news this year is that we're introducing the first math challenge, which is for year three and four so oh. the primary math challenge is for year five and six right. and we've now okay. got this this uh um, younger one that's coming and for in for international listeners what age, what age are we talking there so um what, I, I suppose oh, I, yeah, I should know this um let's see so year three is um say eight years old let's right. say and then okay. year four would be nine years got old it. and it. then there's then that means the primary math challenge is for year 10 and 11 year got olds it. i guess got it. Got um it. and so they've over the last 20 years for the primary math challenge 1.46 million papers have been produced by the MA and Whoa. sent out to schools and there's 1,700 uh, sorry 1,573 schools were in it this year that could be a lot more there's an awful lot more primary schools in of this country so, yeah. and the problem is that primary schools just don't know about it wow. um, so last when I last did a primary conference and I made sure that everyone had a copy of a PMC paper and I spoke about it briefly on stage and I said put up your hand if you do the PMC and most people hadn't yeah, heard yeah. of it yeah. and they were I said you know this is if you have parents complaining that you're not stretching yeah. their little genius child yeah. here's the PMC but the good thing about the PMC is unlike the secondary school ones which are difficult like yeah, there's some hard oh, stuff in there um the pmc is really aimed at everyone it's not meant to be your top set or your top table oh, wow. or whatever it's however okay. it works at primary school it's meant to be that everyone can have a go at this um and ideally everyone should be able to get a you know kind of half marks or something and feel good about okay. themselves okay. um and then anyone that gets kind of say 20 out of 25 or above and that changes every year gets through to the bonus round so they do the first round in November in school, teachers market, teachers hand out certificates. Okay. Um, and they can get all their lovely pictures in the local paper. Nice. This is how the school is doing yeah, all these yeah. lovely maths yeah. things. It's great to get maths in the local paper. So that's wonderful when schools do that. Um, and then if um, the very best in the country, so say a thousand students a year, that thousand primary school children a year will get through to the bonus round um and they that gets marked by the MA and there's medals and stuff for oh, that. Okay. Um, so what we... 
you know, they we talk, they talked about how we don't want anyone to get anxiety. It's not a test. It's meant to be fun. Mm, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. they want everyone. So it's very accessible. And they're, they're, in fact, making it more accessible. They want everyone who takes it to get, like, half marks at least. Um, so it's so in that way, it's different to the, the UKMT ones. You I mean, know. the anxiety thing is interesting with all, like, the... the, the uproar about the times tables tests and all yes. that kind of thing it's it's very important to distinguish it from from another assessment at such a young age right yes absolutely because it's definitely not an assessment and 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 in fact you know it could be even that primary schools say it's optional when children can choose to take it mm. so you know and and the some of the feedback from children is delightful oh, have you got um, better than doing normal maths i love the <laughs> questions um i really felt like my brain was having a workout as uh, someone <laughs> said scary but fun like um, but they've all said sort of really sweet things mainly about enjoying it finding it challenging um and then um and then what we did in the session this was the nicest conference session i've ever been to wow. there were six of us around a round table and peter bailey um who was the mm. the, the the lead of the session he yep. was sitting on the table so seven of us around the table yep. and it was absolutely delightful because obviously we had great discussion and um there were there was a, a secondary teacher there mm. um in fact we were a really funny mix of people so there was a guy from the ukmt there because the idea is they take these in primary and it leads them through to kind of being prepared to do mm. this kind of thing. Yeah, so they'll, they'll, so if you've got students who have done well in the PMC, the idea is those same students will be the ones who are yeah. doing well in the junior math challenge yeah. and then on through to the senior math challenge, which they put on their UCAS form mm. and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there was a, um, a secondary teacher there called Joy and he teaches at the Brit School in Croydon, which is near me, near where I live. The Brit School is, a, you know, the Brit Awards. It's the Performing Arts School. Oh, right. So okay. like, it's, um, it's, it's a very, very different environment. And he said that he uses some primary maths challenge questions or some pr challenging questions from pri that are aimed at mm. year sixes. Um, and he does it because he wants them to do problem solving, but with a really accessible level of maths. Yeah. So there's no kind of new mathematics they're yes. doing. They're just having a go at how would we approach this problem. And there's nothing difficult in the content. It's the strategies that he's well, that, getting at. That goes back to what Colin Foster says, that if the um, problem solving demands are high, then the content levels need to be low. Mm. And it goes back to this maturation thing that Mark McCourt talks about, that it takes two years from learning a concept to be able to do some real sophisticated maths with it. Yeah. So if you're year seven or year eight and you're wanting to do some sophisticated mathematical problem solving then primary school maths is the place to look yeah. for, for those topics that's that's fascinating so we in the session because it's an hour and a half so we actually did two full papers okay. where we just sat and, and did them and, and thoroughly enjoyed it it is really fun doing this because okay. you know because this is primary maths so really simple but there was a couple of things i had to stop and think about yeah, yeah. obviously i'm trying to do it really quickly i had to I mean, stop you're making times. excuses all right well oh, okay. no I so i'll give you some examples are we doing some live can listeners get involved yeah, yeah? so okay, i'll give you go. so here's just i'll give you a couple of typical give me examples. an easy one to warm me up here well this mm. is this is from not the bonus round this is from the first oh, round yeah, okay um, and this is the the year five and six one right so the this 10 is, and yes exactly years. and this one is so 25 questions this is question 12 so this okay. is from the middle okay. um it starts off very easy. So uh, then question 12. What page number will be printed on the back page of a newspaper made from six sheets of paper folded in half? Oh. So it's not, this is not tricky. Multiple choice. Multiple choice, yeah. It's not meant to be, uh, but basically the thing with this was, I probably could have, I drew a little picture of a newspaper. Yeah, no, why <laughs> and, not? I, and I might not have really needed to do that. And then when I thought about it afterwards, I, I probably didn't right. need to do it. But that's a typical... So you can see that it's there's no difficult maths no, there. No, of course, absolutely it's just right. just a bit of thinking. Absolutely right. 
So I'll let people have a think about that. I mean, that. I could tell them the answer. No, let's not do that. I don't want to ruin the surprise, no. do I? There's yeah. a few things about, you like, um, you know, fractions of that are shaded and those sort of typical okay. problems. There's a few things that require divisibility tests, which is something that is yeah. massively overlooked in have teaching. You got, have you got one of those? Um, which number is not a factor of... Gosh, let me read the number. Um, 101,010. Wow. So 101010. Zero, zero, zero. Which number is not a factor? And the multiple get, choice yeah. was 2, 3, 5, 7, and 11. Wow. And the way... I talk about how I did that one. Um, I knew um, it wasn't 2, because 2 is clearly a factor, because it's got a 0 yeah. at the end. I knew it wasn't 3, because there are three 1s in that number, yeah, and I know yeah. my divisibility test. Yes. I knew it wasn't 5, because it ends in a yes. 0. And then I had to check 7 and 11. Exactly so I divided by 7 with my, because we were laughing about this earlier, with my bus stop, which yeah. I, do, I do for things I don't need to do a bus Correct. stop for. And then that left me, I found that 7 was a factor, so it left me with 11. So, you know, that, that, that oh, was okay. just a combination of me understanding divisibility tests and doing a quick um, a yeah. bit of arithmetic. I mean, just in case I do forget to mention this, Joe did bus stop. <laughs> 360 divided by 5. The bus stop was out. I yes, and then afterwards I, I looked at it and I said I shouldn't have done that because I could have used 10 and 2 to correct, figure that out. Correct, so at least yeah. I realised this was crazy, you did, you crazy did, of me. Um, and one more example. This yeah, is question please. 20. Um, Afsal eats half his cake. He then um, gives a quarter of what is left to a friend. Oh, wow. What fraction of the original cake is left? Wow. Now, nice. so it, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically, on, you know, it's a quarter of a half. Yes. So it's pretty quick for us. Um, but, you know, that for a, a, a primary school child, that will take a bit oh, of thinking. Oh, absolutely, right. So that was from the normal yes. paper. Yeah. And oh, then you, you, you just said the um, first few questions are dead easy. We should give us an example oh, yeah. just so, so they're um, accessible for Question all. two, how many of these fractions are more than a half? And the options, uh, so the, the fractions are a quarter, three eighths, one half, three quarters, seven eighths. Right. And you okay. just have to say how many of them okay. are more than so a half. Okay, so it is. Yeah, so, yeah. got it. Because whereas like the junior math challenge, oh, those hard. first few questions, the they're easier, but they're still not mm. easy. Whereas this, yeah, this is, is a different, it's a different yeah. pitch. It's because right. that is really, I mean, people enter their elite yeah, competitions sure, into that. Sure, this sure. is meant to be that everyone, a whole class can do it mm -hmm. and no one will be upset. Um, and then we did the bonus round. Oh, so this gosh. is happens in February. And I was, um, oh, I was worried that, you know, I'm going to embarrass myself and not be able to do prime maths. And it was, it was fine. There was a, it was similar. It started off very accessible. Um, things like what is the first prime number of the millennium? 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, oh, wow. 2005. That's good. But that That's again good. is just a visibility laws, yeah. really. It's not 2002. I can tell you that much. Yeah, well, you're right. Alert, oh, right? here's this. No, you're not going to like this question. I don't. I don't know if people are going to like this. Well, Listen to this. Patrick and three friends go into a shop at 9:17 a.m. to spend one pound twenty-three on three packets of biscuits. With 18 biscuits in each pack. Wow. He pays, getting 77p change, and leaves the shop at 9.25am. The four boys eat seven biscuits each. How long were the boys in the shop? Wow. Now, oh yeah, all you're saying is how long they're in the shop. Yeah, and you were told yeah, the yeah. time they arrived, and you were told Listen, the time they left. Wow. So, I mean, we talked a bit later in the day about um, questions that are designed to trick you. Mm. And I wondered if... and I, so, so that one I thought was a bit funny. It's a ton of information. It's, yeah. And I normally tell my students that we that in exams, there's no there's no information that's not required. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's was an interesting, interesting one. That is interesting. Um, the, the questions are generally um, got... They're quite funny, and there's funny little context in them. I got stuck on a symmetry one. 
um and and there's a few where where because i'm i mean you know, i guess shape isn't my i had to think about the shape sure. ones um was but, that one you told me that you were doing uh when we're in the keynote in yeah. Cascus? is that from that the bonus round with the, the train with the one yeah yeah that was question 21 on the bonus that round this was hard um a train starts at y I think is you kind of need to see the diagram here. A train starts at Y travelling at 12 miles per hour at the same time as a train from X starts at 20 uh, miles per hour. They're travelling towards each other. Where do the trains cross? I mean, it's still, you could you could picture it. You've got a line, you've got a train from one end, 12 yep. mile an hour, a train from the other end at 20 mile an hour. And essentially, what it's what fraction along that line do, mm. they, do they meet? And it's... Yep. It takes a bit of thinking, doesn't it? Yeah, and this bear in mind these are primary school children. And actually there was one question that someone else had, because we all did different papers, someone else had a question where we all had a good go at it and we talked about different ways and we, we thought it was a pretty tough question. So certainly for the bonus round, um, people aren't, these students aren't really meant to be getting 100%. Mm. Like this is meant to be challenging because this, remember this is the top thousand students in the country. So it's quite an achievement if a school gets someone um, to, oh, yeah, through to the bonus round. But the, the key point from this is this is not for your elite. This is for everybody. It's for everyone. Yeah, and it's and, fun. And that's a key message because problem solving shouldn't just be for, well, it can't just be for your best mathematicians because yep. everybody's got everybody's got to do it. Just logistically when it comes to the GCSE and it's a useful skill in life yep. and all that kind of stuff. But, um, and what, can people get hold of it? So yeah, so the um, this year it's 20% off because it's the 20th anniversary. They're about a pound, um, I'll say about a pound a paper because they, you buy them in packs of 10, they're about 11 yep. credit, just like UKM, UKMT ones. Yep. Um, the FMC, so the first National Challenge for Year 3 and 4, is the first go of it, and that's coming up in June and July. And then the PMC is always in November. Can you access the past papers? Yeah, if you go to the PMC website, for pri free, Primary Maths Challenge, you can get some of them for free. There's Got also it. books with really old ones. In. But I think the, the main thing here is that it's for primary schools looking to, for a start, satisfy those parents who are saying how are you stretching my child but also just doing entering children into a national competition in anything Absolutely is delightful right. for the Absolutely children right. everyone likes a national competition and it's, particularly if it's kind of framed the right way that this isn't yes. a test yes and, and there's no and everyone gets a certificate exactly. and yeah exactly and and you know it's so it's it was such a nice session and sitting there with those lovely people um and just sitting there doing primary questions was a really nice way to start the day Nice touch. I like that, Joe. Okay, fantastic. Well, um, I went to a different session. So I went to um, Deep Marcushman's session on, and I'll be honest with you, I picked it based on the name, um, Algebra Dabra. Mm. Uh, am I saying that right, do you reckon? Would you um, that? Algebra, I, I don't know how you say You're a bit that. posh, you might go Algebra Dabra. Uh, al algebra, algebra, isn't it got a K in it? Algebra uh, it may have, it may have, it may have. Anyway, there's algebra involved. Let's 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 leave it at that. I'm a bit posh, not really. So, um, Dimas, Dimas, an interesting character. So, I interviewed him with Jeremy Hodgson uh, years ago on the Tesmaths podcast about their ICAMS uh, project. Yeah. And Dimas is Professor Smudge um, on Twitter. Who's I'm not going to beat around the bush. He's a bit controversial. Would you go that far, Joe? He'd be he'll speak his mind on Twitter. Wouldn't um, he? Yeah, I think he's a very different person. I've been told in real life to how he is on Twitter, where he um, he uh, yeah, like you say, he tries to be controversial. Let's say. So I thought well, this will be this will be an interesting session. And any any again, the pace, you made the point before about the pace. Um, this I thought like this was a ninety minute session, 
and Dietmar approached it like it was a 90 minute session. This would have been a different, like this, I don't know if you find this, Joe, and I may be vastly generalizing it, so forgive me listeners, but I think just because I have a lot of experience with watching sessions at maths conferences, which tend to be run by kind of practice and teachers versus sessions, as Joe says, kind of residential conferences, which are maybe done by kind of academics and researchers, the pacing's different, right? And I think it's because as teachers, we know we've got we've got to keep the pace up sometimes to kind of keep the kids engaged mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Whereas this was very much kind of a, a laid back, mm-hmm. have a bit of a chat going on, which, you know, I'm not saying any's better, one's better or one's worse, but the, the pacing certainly felt different. I suppose there's more time to think if it's a slower pace, whereas the criticism of, of what we do at LaSalle conferences yeah, is that, that we're not reflecting and we're not thinking, uh, which is not the case, but that's what that's the perception. That could be seen, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. right. So, um, yeah, the, the point of this was um, about different ways of kind of representing algebra and, and crucially, um, not making it kind of pointless and, and abstract, kind of not collecting like terms or coming up with expressions just for the sake of doing it, but showing kids um, a kind of point to it. And, and Dmar did this wonderfully via a few different examples. So the first one we did was, was, was sequences. Now, um, I've played around with this kind of stuff, Joan, I wonder if you have, where you, um, instead of kind of diving straight in with um, nth term rules for sequences, mm-hmm. You represent sequences as patterns, yeah. whether they're, you know, uh, tiles or expanding yeah. L shapes and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So we played around first with, um, with, with two sequences, both kind of coming from trees, one of which turned into be a linear sequence and the other turned out to be a quadratic sequence. And what I've always found, whenever you have quadratic sequences as patterns... Kids as young as year seven can can access yeah. them because you're just explaining how the pattern grows. Whereas if you then give that to a year 11, their kind of algorithmic hat comes on and yeah. they start writing the numbers out and then it's nth term heart yes, and all that. Yes, they go straight for numbers, yes. And all, which, yeah. which I always find fascinating. Yeah. Now, one takeaway straight away from me, and again, this is, now seems so obvious to me, but I've never done this. Dietmar presented three um, terms, if you will, from this sequence displayed as trees. Right. But he didn't do them in order. It wasn't like term one, term two, term three. It was, let me go, term three, term one, term two. And he said he did this, does this because it makes the kids focus on the structure as opposed to essentially just pattern spotting and drawing the next right, one because you can see very easily that one's been added onto the branches and one to the trunk. Whereas if you present them in a different order, Mm -hmm. you're focusing more on the relationship between the number of dots in the trunk and the dots in the leaves and so on. And I I thought that was quite nice. I would have never thought to... um, And obviously, with numbers, you'd be asking for a bit of trouble doing that. But with patterns presenting the sequence in a different order to focus on the structure i, I quite like that that that's have you seen the is it nice visual thing. what's the website visual Pat- yeah visual patterns visual patterns it's, it's um fawn, american fawn, fawn i can't say has yeah um but yes that's um that's just full of um patterns exactly as you described so they're ready to be used they're yeah right. yeah, abs- yeah. Abs- absolutely i mean it reminds me as well of because um, we were doing how do you see this pattern grow and how do you represent it and so on without using algebra um, what would the 20th pattern look look like and where would that number 20 come in your calculations and so on and it reminded me of the um you know the pond borders um oh, it's yeah. kind of like a piece of coursework that's been kind of oh, yeah. where yeah. it's you, you count the number of tiles around the edge of the pond yeah and there's different ways kids see it and so on and the beauty of it is all these different representations they're all algebraically equivalent but kids see them in different ways mm-hmm. you can talk about the equivalent and so on so it was it was great to have a refresher of the 
visual representation of sequences and mm. how that's a nice way into algebra as opposed to starting with collecting like terms and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But then it was all kicking off. So um, I, I tweeted three, and I'm going to put the pictures of these um, in the show notes um, if I remember. And I will remember. Um, first one was this. Now, this is going to be a terrible to describe, but I'm going to try my best. So if you can understand it, Joe, if you haven't seen this, have you? Um, the listeners will be able to understand this. So you get a right-angled trapezium. Are you picturing a right-angled trapezium? Right, yes, okay, okay. right. Uh, with a base of 10, uh, parallel sides of top and bottom. Yeah. A base of 10, Yeah. height of 6. Yeah. And then you've got a top bit, which is shorter, which has got a height of, uh, sorry, a length of X. Okay. Okay. And then you've got your kind of diagonal line coming down. Um, and that, uh, the, the kind of end of the, the pot, end of the side that's X is marked with a point P, Okay. And um, what, what Dietmar did first is we established that the area could be given by three lots of x plus 10. Yes, I see that. Okay, yeah. so we're happy with that? Yeah. So then the question was, okay, what was what's the area of the trapezium if x has a value of 5? So that's fairly 45, straightforward. Yeah. You can substitute in. But they said, what happens if x has a value of negative 5? You can't have a negative level. So this is where it gets in. So this is where it gets interesting. Because if you sub negative five into three lots of x plus five, you get an answer out, right? So you get negative five plus ten, which is five. So oh, multiply by fifteen. 15. Okay. Right. Now, if you if you say that if positive if five is going to the right and negative five is kind of going to the left, so if you draw right. that length of x instead going left, if I that see. makes sense, and yeah. then join it up, you get kind of two two triangles, right? Yeah. And the beauty of that is they're actually similar triangles because they both share a right angle and they both have opposite angles that are the same. And as I say, for listeners at home, I will um, I will um, tweet this out. And if you calculate the area of those two triangles, just to give a bit of a spoiler alert, the bottom one, I think, comes to... In fact, I, I drew this down. I think it comes to maybe 40, maybe? Because you get a height of 4 and a base... Oh, 20, sorry. You get a height of 4 and a base of 10. Right. Um, and the one on the left, uh, top left, um, has a height of 2 and a base of 5. So it has an area of 5. And if you take that away, 20 take away 5, you get 15. So you've almost got a kind of a negative area. No, no, weird. So then we played around with this on Jojo and said, does it make sense to have a negative area and so on and so forth? But again, it was just, it, it kind of started messing with my head a bit and I, in, yeah, quite, a good, in, in quite a good way. Oh, I, I, I quite, negative areas. I quite enjoy, oh. I enjoyed that. Anyway. Well, if you like that, what about this one? <laughs> right, okay. And again, for, for the benefit of listeners, these, I'll put photos of all these on the podcast show notes. So Joe's seeing these live, so she's going to love this. Right. Joe, do you remember, were you, a, were you do you remember in school um, those turtles, those logo Yeah, turtles? I like logo. Yeah, that was cute. Okay, yeah. right. So here's, I'm going to program this turtle, right? Right. So I'm, uh, the instructions are this, forward 100. Yeah. And then we're going to turn right, um, yeah. and the degrees are 360 divided by N. And what's going to happen if we keep repeating these instructions? It's essentially going to is exterior angles of a polygon. It's yeah. going to trace round. So if, if n's five, it's going to keep turning around. Well, you'd know this: three hundred and sixty divided by five from before. Oh, seventy-two. Seventy-two yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, see, I don't even need to do my bus stop. Yeah. So it's going to it's going to keep turning around. It's going to trace a pentagon, right? Yeah. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So we played around with this. Fine, everyone's happy. And then Dietmar says, "What happens if n is two point five? Okay. So now we haven't got a whole number of yeah. n. 
So we're now we're going forward 100 and we're turning right 360 degrees divided by 2.5. We're going to keep repeating that. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to leave this for a spoiler alert for the kids because divide by for, for the kids, for the listeners. If you divide by five, you get your pence again. But if you get 2.5, can you picture what shape this turtle is going to produce? And it's it blew my mind. Really? So I'll leave it again. I'll leave that as a, I'm teasing people here. I'll leave that, leave that in there. And then the final thing that I um, wanted to draw um, draw people's attention. Oh, in fact, I've got a final thing, then I've got a bonus. Oh. Wow. So <laughs> I'm going for it here. It was last night, innit? Let's go for me. I'm going That's for it. That's not for you. I'm going for it. So we did, uh, next one, we did a matchstick kind of representation. So we right. had a three by three grid of matchsticks. Okay. Which contained uh, 24 matchsticks. Okay. Um, so if people can picture this, you've got essentially nine squares worth of matchsticks, yeah. if, if that makes sense. Um, and the first challenge was, um, how, how, how would you count them? How would you count the matchsticks? We know there's 24, but what are the different ways of counting them? So, mm-hmm. so people were suggesting different ways. And one way that was quite popular, and see if you can see this, Joe, mm. was 2 times 3 times 4. Can you see that? It two took me away, three. and I'm putting you on the spot here. I, I didn't see it. So, okay, so is it that, so we've got... Um... The three times four, is it that there's two lots of three times fours here? Is that not, because that's how I'm seeing it. Go on, what, what are so, you seeing? So I'm seeing um, that there's, it's actually, so I'm seeing four lots of three going three across, three yes, across, yes, three across, yes, three across. Yes, Three down, three exactly. down, three down, three down. And there's, so there's two lots of four lots of three. You've got it. That's yeah, exactly that right. Yeah, two okay. lots of three lots of four, yeah, four yeah. lots of three and so on. Okay. So we established that. And then comes the twist. So how would that? So you can imagine if it was a um, a four by four, we could we could extend that. Yeah. And so okay. On. Yeah. But what happens if it was a three point five by three point five? You know, you really shouldn't be allowed to break that. <laughs> They're not designed so then, for that. Because <laughs> then we start thinking kind of half rows and yeah. halves of matchsticks, and, yeah. and what would change in that calculation, and what would stay the same, and so on. And yeah, it was, interesting. Yeah, it was yeah. just it was just, and I liked it because again, it was. We didn't need algebra at any point, mm-hmm. but we were always generalizing. We were yeah. always always coming up with ways that would work for pattern 20 or pattern 100 and so on without yeah. having to, at any stage, collect like terms mm-hmm. or come up with pointless algebra. So I, I found it fascinating. And then just as a bonus, and this is for bonus for listeners, I was sat next to Dave Bedford, and he's one of my favorite people. Um, regular listeners will know that uh, Bick Me... Uh, last year, I went to Dave Bedford and Ben, ben Sparks', Sparks yeah. session, which was one of the best things I've seen. And they're doing a sequel to it that oh, you're going to go to. No, I'm in this massive conflict because it's on at the same time as the one about Smile. Oh, and I'm a wow. resource person. I'm meant to be a resource oh, expert. So a decision to make This there. is the worst thing I've ever had to I know what I'd choose. I know what I'd choose. Yeah, so. I mean, well, obviously, was... I, love, I love Ben and David. Well, but... I tell you what, this may, bring, this, may bring, this may make the decision for you because I was speaking to Dave and Dave said, so I said, look, I'm going to have to go home, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, I tell you what, I'm going to give you a problem that didn't make mm-hmm. mine and Ben's session. So this is the kind of stuff they're casting <laughs> away on the floor, right? And this apparently is from James Tanton. Okay. And he says, okay, picture this. You've got two circles with different centers yeah. and different radii. Right. Okay. And you've got the equations of those circles. So you may, for example, and you don't have to write this down, but you may have x minus one all squared plus y plus two all squared equals 36. Yeah. And then you may have x plus three all squared plus y minus two all squared 
uh, equals 25, or whatever it is. Two random equations of the circles. Yeah. Now, if you were to expand each of those uh, equations of the circles, mm-hmm. you would get two kind of quadratic equations with yeah. x squared and y squared. Mm-hmm. If you were to subtract one from the other, you would be left with a linear equation. Yes. The question is, if you were to plot the graphs of the two circles and plot the linear equation, what is that linear equation? I don't know. What what is it on that graph? And it's something. So it's a circle take away a circle gives a what? That's what really would strange. it give? And, and a, um... the reason he was asking this because Dima was playing around with a linear line take away a linear line. What does it give? And but I just thought this was lovely. So my insight. I'll tell you what my instinct was. Um, cover your ears if you don't want to listen. I imagined a straight line that went through the two centres of the circle. Right. I don't know why, but I thought it's got to be related. Yeah. to Yeah. Oh, it could be a tangent, maybe. Could be a tangent. Yeah. But it's not. But Dave said it is something important on that diagram. It's beautiful. Oh, it's just, that, it's just like, it? uh, so we don't know. Teaser. Like well, so, teaser so, so I mean, this is the sort of thing where you go straight to Desmos, and, but then fire it up. The problem with Desmos is that we'll go straight to Desmos and we'll look and we'll say, oh, there you go. And then actually, oh, but I mean, thinking. yeah, we're yeah. not doing the thinking. Yeah. But he said then, when you do go to Desmos or Jojiba and fire it up, you can then play around with the kind of boundary cases. Yeah. Whereas, what happens if the centres are the same? What happens if the radiuses are the same? What happens if the circles overlap, don't overlap, and all I that? I don't think I can get my head around the idea of. Um, of Subtracting a, a kind of function, an equation, from a function yeah, right? an equation, yeah. I, I, I don't really yeah. get what that's doing. Yeah, good yeah. one that though. Yeah, and he chucked that. that away. That was chucked away. Oh. So what is going to be in the wow. what is going to be in this <laughs> session? So yeah, I I really enjoyed the email session. It gave me a lot to think about, and I will put um, pictures if I get chance, and I will get chance. I'll put pictures of those three. Uh, and you did discussed. a bit of recruitment of David Bedford as well. Well, I'm also on the lookout, and listeners will know it's quiz night tonight. Um, so we've got we've got a strong team. We've got me, Joe, Andrew, Taylor, and Karen Wilkin, Karen. who is a primary specialist who's speaking at the conference, and she was on our team last year, Crucial, the winning so you've team. Got four yeah. gold medalists. Yeah, as I like to. Think. <laughs> <laughs> um, space for two more I was chatting to Dave I thought he seems knowledgeable yeah. so I just came straight in and I asked him yeah. he said yeah Yeah. and um, then he said oh, he's crap at quizzes oh, so well. too late he's, for me he'll, to he'll be listen. good fun though that's alright because you know we don't care about winning we so. do care we do care about winning <laughs> and we've also got David from AQA so and that's David our Kareka, six so yeah. there's, the team, yeah. there's the team right so um, following that we then both went to the same thing didn't well, we well it was your session so oh. yes we did <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah my session so um, so this is one where I team up with AQA um, with Andrew Taylor and the idea is Andrew looks at insights from exams where kids have struggled areas of maths they've struggled and I try to find ways that we could then use those insights to come up with activities to help kids in the classroom so yeah well, any any interesting insights from this Joe in terms of what Andrew was chatting about well obviously Andrew was talking about how there's tons of ratio in GCC now as we all know um, I think AQA have a particular kind of style of ratio that I'm not sure is, is quite the same in Edexcel um, so yeah I'm an AQA school and I love AQA but we certainly have a lot of ratio to teach and I don't necessarily think I teach it brilliantly um, the N to one thing yeah, is interesting. Was, yeah, did you have that question to hand? This was um, scary, right? It was, oh, I don't have, to, I, it I was something like 74. Yeah, so it was 74 and it was write it as, was it N to one or one to one N? To one to N, which meant they had to divide, oh, wasn't it? They had to divide by the four. So it was seven to, I thought, yeah, it, yeah, yeah so it was seven over four to one because someone, the, the exactly guy at the front right. was suggesting that it was the division by four, exactly which right. might have put them off, yeah. which I'm not sure I agree with. So sure. And what put them off is they have no idea how to do yeah. this in, in any, um, so it was, it's it too was hard. Given the, write the ratio seven to four um, in the ratio, and we think it N was to one. N to one. And what percent of kids got this right, Joe? 
Um, it was so, I, uh, I didn't write it down, it's something like 20 or something. Oh, no, no, I no, think it was like 9%. Nine, nine it oh, was God, under, really? under, under 10%. But the thing is, the, N to 1 and 1 to N, um, it's the sort of thing that back in the old GCSE, I would have it as like five minutes in my yeah, lesson on ratio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it would be like a quick, um, let's just let's just do a few of these, and, and it never comes up. And now <laughs> it does come up. Um, and I don't think they get why we're doing it, whereas actually there are some real kind of... Um, oh, I have no idea, but I'm thinking things like um, oh stocks and stuff like an index. Oh, like having okay, that wow. base of one is quite yes, is quite yes, important. Yes, yes. Yeah, comparisons. Come back to one, you're absolutely yeah. right. So I think um, I think it's I think it's not taught well because as much as we have all really adapted to the new GCSE and we're teaching all that stuff a lot better, ratio is still one of the biggest problems this country has with its new GCSE teaching because there are so many types of ratio questions yes. and we struggle with that. And I do think that one to N and N to one is probably still a five minute thing and it, and it's, um, it needs longer because it probably could be really interesting. I can't think of any particular resources um, that I have used for that. And then, of course, you come along with your, which I've seen before and talked about before, your very good fill in the gaps ratio mm. thing. Oh, it's um, a new one, though. This one, yeah, though. so it's a different world premiere. Yeah, and this has, and, and in that, they're doing the end to one, one to end, yeah. but without it being an exercise on let's do that. And so, and so it's, I mean, I love your fill in the gap stuff. It's, it's really. It's, there's just so much thinking and there's and there's you know because on our table we were talking about whether students would try and work down the columns mm. or across the rows um and there was and we were talking about how it actually didn't really matter which way they did it because however they're doing it there's lots of thinking going on mm. so um yeah i think i think those resources are really really valuable the the variation theory stuff you showed and the fill in the gaps thing as a follow-on to that because there's um yeah ratio needs work and actually i do a lot on writing ratios as fractions and by mm. that i mean if a to b is equal to x to y yes. so say we know that yeah. a to b is the same as uh, two to three yes yeah then you can write that as a over b equals two thirds yeah yes and and i use that a lot in my ratio problem solving whereas a lot of teachers are really unhappy writing ratios as fractions mm. even though yeah, it's yeah, yeah. totally okay so they're saying oh no you can't write a to B equals two to three as A over B equals two thirds because that confuses it because A is two fifths and all that yeah, kind of confusion. Yes. But yes, you absolutely can. And, it, and it's a great method for lots and lots of ratio That's problems. And um, I've got like a half finished. I started writing this most amazing PowerPoint ever that goes that does that does loads on that. And I, I haven't finished it yet. I've been working on it all year. But um, the. I've I've done a blog post about different approaches to to ratio problems that come up on AQA a lot, and um, there's loads of ways of doing them. But I really like that writing them as fractions that's thing. Nice. I think nice. it's a really nice way of doing it. But yeah, it was. Oh, and, and the other. Oh, and I during during um, the session, I was uh, telling Andrew Taylor a bit of my history of maths. Why not? So um, when whereas we might now write a to b equals three to two of that that doesn't kind yeah, of feel right yeah, but we yeah, might yeah. say a to b and we might say the words is equal to yeah, 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 yeah. but it used to be they'd use a double colon there so they'd write a to b colon colon three to two. Oh, wow so we've got like four lots of colons in that in that line of of maths and the double colon meant is equal to and you don't use it for ratios being equal so i don't that's know where that's a, gone but that's... i suppose it was just loads of colons 
I mean, I'm both happy and annoyed at that. I'm happy because it's fascinating, but I'm annoyed. Were you having this conversation whilst I was, whilst yeah, I was yeah. presenting? Absolutely, Craig, fine, yeah. Because there was, fine. you know, we just, you just, you just lost my attention. The other thing I loved was um, we did, you showed us um, the fantastic Venn diagram ratio activity, mm. which was really great fun. Um, and the thing with that was you gave us this condition. So mm. the idea was we had this Venn diagram you've got mathsvens.com, which is brilliant. Catchy, and catchy. I don't use it often enough. And you're saying lots of teachers don't use it as much as they should because it is fantastic. Next year when I teach my year seven and eight, I'm going to use tons nice. of this. Nice. Um, and you talked about how you do the CIMT logic unit in year yeah, seven. Yeah. And I love the CIMT logic unit. And I think actually, I was thinking about it, if I'm writing year seven scheme of work, that, that's got, that needs one. to come up really, really early and on. Just to clarify, because I do that before we do any Venn diagram mm. activity, because I'm going to be using Venn diagrams in year seven through mm. to 11, and I don't want students worrying about the structure of the activity. Yeah. I want them thinking about the content. So let's get Venn diagrams sorted first, then we can use Venn diagrams for, 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 for rich tasks. Yeah, and, and they, they make such good rich tasks. I mean, you gave us where there were three circles. One was, so we had a ratio, if you think of the ratio A to B, the first circle was A is prime, the second circle was B is odd, and the other circle was um, A is a fraction of the whole simplifies. And then, you, but you gave us this condition where the um, where basically the whole bottom circle could yeah, not be filled right, in, right. and it really has because we just assumed that either you'd made a mistake with the yes, instructions yes. or we were missing something. Yeah, yeah, so we yeah. all we all really talked about that for ages, and we tried to sort of really we did we we sort of confirming that our mathematics was yeah. correct that you definitely couldn't. Fill it in felt a gamble, circle. and I, as I said, I would wouldn't do that with the kids. No. I'd say no conditions at all, and then when a child finished, I'd say what happens if I said to you that A to B had to be in its simplest form. But yeah. I thought, we're at ATMMA. Yeah. Let's chuck this into the yeah. mix. But so, it hopefully stimulates Yes, yeah, so it, it was, it was it, I mean, yeah, I, I love all the Ventas. I think they're absolutely brilliant. And, and um, But yeah, I, I enjoyed that. So I think people should use maths friends more. It's such a good I had a guy come up to say, to any, a guy at the end, I, yeah. know, I had a few people come up say a few things, but a, a particular guy said to me, he had a theory why it wasn't being used by many teachers. Yeah. And he said it's hard, hard to say maths vens because he used some technical language about changing from the essentially VS at maths or the th right to, to the V vens. to the V. Yeah, to I see that doesn't flow, but that. Whereas, nice and he used a technical term for that. Whereas vens maths, he said doesn't have that issue so maybe it's a, a so brand are we, issue. is it because we're not people aren't talking about it <laughs> I don't know. well they're trying to talk and they can't say it so maybe maybe this is where i'm going wrong oh, so that's okay right so maybe yeah so maybe it. you should do like a set up another one that redirects that possibly and then we're all possibly, possibly um there was some stuff on quadratics which i um i loved particularly because andrew taylor mentioned some stuff that i talked about mm. on quadratics previously and then um so there's loads of great stuff and then um you've done i've i've Seen you do guess the misconception before, but you always choose different questions, always different so it's ones. always yeah, a challenge. Yeah, yeah. So you did um, from diagnostic questions, you chose the um, three questions, and we had to guess the most common wrong answer. Mm. I got one out of three. Oh. Well, only one person got all three yeah. right, and there was over a hundred people. Yeah. There. So, and these were on um, quadratic graphs, and it's is a thing I do now on diagnostic question. You can find any quiz, so you can go to an AQA quadratic uh, graphs quiz that's been answered by thousands of kids. And you can find the worst three answered questions. And what we like to do in our department is we like to um, use this to inform our planning. So let's find the worst three answered questions. 
And then let's try and see if we can figure out why they're badly answered and crucially what we as a department are going to do about it to make sure our kids don't answer, don't fall into those same traps. And yeah, out of out of a room of 120, only one person managed to get all three. Yeah, right, but you're so. absolutely right. This is the sort of thing that if, if heads of department are looking for worthwhile activities absolutely. for department meetings, it's a really nice thing to do um, just to get people talking about the maths of the topic that they're teaching. Um, so yeah, that, that was that's always fun. And the other thing actually I forgot to mention was when you showed us your um, ratio um, exercise from variationtheory.com and you asked for feedback. Is this the um, questions or the fill in the gaps? Yeah, the yeah. questions. questions yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there was some really nice, there was some really interesting feedback um, where people, someone said they like it that the exercise means you can't rest on your laurels. I liked that. It's really nice. That and and they're absolutely right because the way your those exercises are structured you do have to think about each one and, and there's no routine, there's no kind of just getting into the flow of the exercise. Um, someone said keeping, the, the numbers are kept simple, which means they're achievable, but the ideas get bigger. So the I numbers stay that. simple, the ideas get bigger. That's nice, that, isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah. Um, and then they said that um, it forces you to look hard. And yeah, so and they're absolutely they was, right. Yeah, I like them actually. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Were, they were good. Yeah. So yes, it was, it was as usual, an excellent session. You, Thanks, both you Jay. and Andrew, really, um, really enjoyable. Yeah. Very, very kind. Thanks, Joe. Right. Um, so then it was the, it was kind the... Of conference plenary. No, it's the, well, no, it's the MA we... presidential oh, address. Sorry, so this is... sorry MA, Joe. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so the, um, the outgoing president of the MA, I can't remember what his official, I can't I don't think outgoing is the right thing to call him, but basically Mike Askew has been president for the last year and now M's Lord from M oh, Rich right. is going to be president and then when so yeah she'll do that for a year so she'll do the presidential address next year and then hannah fry is the next one so we basically have right. them it's like this three-year rolling process so mike askew is now the previous president so he will still be involved in the ma yes. but he's so he this was his final thing which was the presidential address um, mike askew is a primary specialist um really you know great speaker very yeah, entertaining very i've nice. never never seen him speak before but i know lots of primary teachers told me that yes. he's a, a, like the best mass primary or one of the best mass primary uh, speakers like really really good so that was enjoyable wasn't it it was great um and again big news um thanks to joe mike's, <laughs> mike's coming on the podcast turns out he's a fan of the podcast he is so yeah very pleased here. It was a good session. Um, <laughs> he got us straight away, right? Because he put up on the board three times 46. No, that's rubbish. <laughs> 39 times 46 yeah. equals 39 times 45 plus 46. And the question was, is that true or false? And the, the, me, you, and the lady. We all said true, true but we hadn't away. looked at it. <laughs> we just said true. <laughs> and then and you I, were the one. You, I was the one. Yeah. Thank you. Yep, I'll take the credit for that. So then um I, I said actually if it's, let's think about it, it, it said thirty-nine times forty-six yeah. equals thirty-nine times forty-five plus forty-six. Yeah. And I was like, well, hold on. The left hand side says thirty-nine times forty-six, so we got um forty-six lots of thirty-nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the other side said 45 lots yeah, of 39 yeah, so we need to add on another 39 not 46, not 46. Yeah, yeah, um but classic. yes how funny that we think we're so smart and then we got that wrong that correct correct yeah. so that was good that was a good start and the kind of the 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 essence of mike's talk and this is interesting because this is something that doesn't necessarily sit right with me but the more i thought about what mike was saying there, there was there was definite merit to this and he said mathematical reasoning does not always need fluency you can reason the answer without being able to calculate it. And his, and ah, his, and his, yeah. point, and his point there was 
that nobody needed to calculate 39 multiplied by 46 to know that that statement was false. Yeah. You could reason it without having the fluency required to calculate the answer. Yeah, because there was... That a, was interesting, yeah, right? There's a SATS question, and it was the last question in the SATS paper. This is year six tests. And it said 5,542 divided by 17 equals 326. So it gave them that. Yeah. And it said, explain how you get... 18 times 326, which is not quite the inverse sure. of the calculation given. It's because, yeah. yeah, so they, from, the, from the calculation given, they know 17 lots of 326, and then they just had to add on a 326. Um, and he said that was a very poorly answered yeah, question. Absolutely right. um, but I, you know, that's, I give that to any of our secondary students, and they won't, oh, they they won't be able to think And again, it. he said that his, his point was how do we get kids away from thinking that calculating is the default strategy yeah. and starting to reason instead? And we, we, we encounter this at secondary, like kids immediately falling back onto some algorithm like they see ratio and they start sharing in a yeah. ratio they see yeah. multiplication they start multiplying without taking that moment to think is there a better more efficient logical way of doing this you know what um i didn't mention this yesterday but um <coughs> colin foster in his talk he said that there'd been a lesson where on the board it said x to the power of four and then it was just happened to be left on the board and then a, a sixth form class came in say year 12 class and then, um, and so it had been a year eight class going out, right. person hadn't rubbed the board off fully, still said X to power four, year 12 class come, came in. And someone, and one of the students said, ah, oh, do they do that in year eight? And the teacher said, well, yeah, we, that was just a year eight lesson we were just doing. And then the student's like, oh, I know how to do that. And it just said X to power four on the board. So the student's year 12 saying, I know how to do that. I didn't know I did that in year eight. And then the teacher's like, well, you know, all the other, another student yeah. said, it's four uh, X to the power of three. Do you know what? So do you know what he's done there? Yeah, so it's differentiated. he's differentiated it, and he said, "Oh yeah, that's the answer." I don't know. I can't oh, remember what it's called, but right, that's the answer. Right. And isn't that funny that they? It's just this. It's a thing. Calculate. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. see a that's thing and do a thing to it because yeah, that's that, what we always do to that. That's very interesting. Um, and yeah, I guess it's the kind of well, same like idea that, that we like don't that. have to. And then Mike did that wonderful thing about biscuits. Yes. Um, which was which made a really good point about um, about this kind of not having to calculate anything, and it was about if I have um, so if I've got biscuits and I share them between my friends, and everyone gets a certain number of biscuits each, and then let's say I have more biscuits but the same number of friends, then they would all get more biscuits. But if I have um, the same number of friends that I have less biscuits, then they're all going to get less biscuits. Yes. And then it, he did this whole thing about how, you know, what we can work out. And then it led into understanding how to compare two fractions, yeah. where, where the fractions are the biscuits divided by the friends. Yes. And you can see if we've got a larger denominator, but the same numerator, sorry, a larger numerator and the same denominator, it means we've got the same number of friends, but we've got more biscuits. Yes. So yeah, it's a bigger yeah, fraction. Yeah. And it, it was a re, it's a really nice way of looking at it. And the other way around, comparing when the numerators are the same, which yeah. is something, which, again, yeah. kids go into the procedure of always comparing denominators whenever yeah. the numerators are the same and they can make they, they can make the comparison without having to do anything. Yeah, yeah it's really, yeah, really it, nice. And, that's, and then there was that question we got tricked, you know, we, we, we got oh. another one wrong. It's a bit embarrassing that we keep getting questions wrong. It is, it yeah, is. We should probably not be... Well, not, like, no, especially seeing as this has preceded your 360 divided by 5, uh, which you didn't get wrong. Yeah, you, we'll but, get to that session because yes, I, right. I think I excelled myself mathematically yeah, we'll in see, that we'll session. We'll see, we'll see. So the question was, um, Sue and Julie are cycling equally fast around a track. Sue started first. When Sue had cycled nine laps, Julie had cycled three laps. When Julie completed 15 laps, how many laps had Sue cycled? 
And I said, Well, first off, I mean, I made a mistake. First off, I made the, oh, yeah. a classic mistake because I didn't. I got my names muddled. Yeah, up. yeah. So straight away, I had the wrong person cycling. Yeah. But you you corrected I, me. Yeah, I got. <laughs> I, I corrected you and said, hey, it's 45. 45 because um, Julie's now done 15. Um, and we knew how many Sue had done when she'd done three. So yes. I divided by five and then yeah. I multiplied nine by five and I was all proportional reasoning. Yeah, you sat back. And then and then he kind of laughed at people who said 45 <laughs> and he sort of said, oh yeah, some children might say 45, <laughs> <laughs> but none of you would. Yeah. And um, yeah, how ridiculous, because the question, which I hadn't read the beginning of, said they were cycling equally fast. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and, but the, Sue started so, first. Yeah, yeah. So she just had a plus six exactly. laps because she started first. But you uh, just went straight to kind of proportional. Oh yeah, I, I overcomplicated because I, I compute things. You did, I, absolutely. I, and I, I, yeah. I'm just a walking computer and I'm not That's a mathematician. Right, yeah. That's the problem. Well, that is that is the problem. Is and the it problem. was again, it was a very thought-provoking session. He yeah, also he also made the point that when we say fluency problem solving reasoning, that implies that's the order it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And the danger with that is that if kids aren't fluent, they never get to problem solve or reason. Yeah. But again, as he showed with these examples, sometimes the reasoning is easier than the, the fluency. Yeah. And it's it's just a, it's a very tricky balance. To, and he also to, talked about how this isn't a decision we have to make. Do, are we going to be the conceptual understanding teacher or are we yeah. going to be the procedural fluency teacher? Of course, that that's not a decision we have to make. And, and even though it might seem, particularly at this conference, there's kind of a split mm. there. Um, what a load of nonsense, because obviously we all do both those things. Yes. Um, and I suppose I've been guilty in the past of doing too much procedural fluency and not enough conceptual understanding. Yeah, me too. But I it's not to say that I don't do the conceptual understanding and I don't recognise the importance of that. Exactly so, yeah, right. It's, it's sound a balance, like a, a legal uh, disclaimer you're putting in there, Joe. But I, I don't really... <laughs> um, and the final thing I took away from Mike's session was um, he mentioned one of my favourite books by Danny Kahneman, Fast and Slow oh, Thinking, yeah. that I've, I've read a good couple of times now. And uh, again, if listeners um, haven't read this, there's two systems of, of, of kind of thought that go on. There's the fast part of the brain, system one, and then the slow part, system two. And, and system one is instinctual. You see a problem, you quickly just jump to the immediate conclusion. And often it's right, that's a good thing to do, but often it can be wrong, it can, you can be misled, and your system two needs to kick in to slow your thought processes down. But the point Mike made is that as you move to slow thinking, it can be quite depressing. So if you're shown that your first instinct's wrong and the teacher says, well, actually, no, you need to just slow down here. We've got to think about this. You can be a bit kind of pissed off for one of the better friends. Yeah. Now, we experienced yes, this ourselves. exactly what we went through. Our instinct, we had it nailed. We were ready to move on to something else and we were wrong and we had to, our system to, to engage. And he told a story about a teacher who essentially um, got the kids to, to physically get rid of the negative energy from having the system to, to kick in by kind of shaking their arms and like shouting and getting this negative energy out. But I just thought it was good that, to realise that it can be a frustrating experience being wrong. Mm -hmm. And again, I think I've spoke about this in the past that I think there's a danger in, in maths education that we we encourage kids to make mistakes because we hear every time a kid makes a mistake the brains grow and all these mistakes are good and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. Now obviously it's important to learn from mistakes, but mistakes can be frustrating at the same time. Mm -hmm. Failure is frustrating. Fail failure is annoying. It failure yeah, makes people give up and so yeah. on. So it was important. I thought that was an important point to to raise. I think we well. probably have to tackle that problem more than other subjects. I guess you know, you, in English you can kind of write a story and it can be subjective or it can be sure. you know, but i suppose in maths there's, there's, we we have to and we, and we know maths anxiety is a big deal and i guess because 
students feel like they fail when they yeah, get a question wrong. wrong. Yeah, and the fact is, right. it's you know, because Joe Burrow kind of says nothing's wrong, and we know that's you know that's not the case. Yes. You know, there are mathematical certainties. Some, if something's wrong, it's wrong. Then yes. I suppose it's just the way that we communicate that, and then we deal with the outcome of that. You know, and you move forward from things being wrong. Um, but yeah, we have probably more to do than other subjects in terms of tackling that anxiety. Yes. Yeah. And then, uh, well, so it was a great session, and as yeah, I say, Mike, Mike, yes. Mike uh, very happy to be on the podcast as well, so I was, I was pleased, but I'm yeah. really looking forward to that. That'd be great. Um, and that leads us to the final session, and we went to this one together, and thank God we did, because I wasn't going to go to this one, not because I, I, I didn't want to, just because I had another session in mind. But I thought, no, this will, this will be. I had a good, I had a feeling about this. That's because you know I choose good sessions. Yeah, and it was it was <laughs> great. So this was um, enriched secondary, um, and we got a surprise appearance in there. It was supposed to just be Charlie Gilderdale, who's who's been on the show, but Alison Kiddle has also been on the podcast. Then she, they did a kind of well, Alison led it basically, didn't she? Led um, it very well, very impressive. I was really, Fantastic really, session. really yeah. impressed. Yeah. I was really impressed. Um, yeah, it was. It was we fantastic. had a lot of fun in this one. We had great time, and, and we did a ton of maths, which we is always did, a good we thing. Did, we weren't messing around. Yeah. We weren't messing around. Yeah, we and were I'll put a link. There. I'll put a link in the show notes because what's great about Enrich is every time they do a conference, um, they essentially build a conference page on Enrich with the activities. So we did three activities, and you can find these if you're desperate now. If you just go to Enrich, if you just go to the Enrich website. Uh, click on any activity, but then delete the activity number in the URL and instead put MA2019, you'll mm -hmm. get taken traits of this, but I'll, um, I'll put a link to it. But we did um, we did three activities, yep. all based around the idea of mathematical mathematical curiosity and resilience. Mm -hmm. So do you want to go first? We did uh, number pyramids. So yeah, these are all relatively new resources, and actually all three of them I would use in lessons, no hesitation. Wow, I thought that's they were a, really good. Okay, good. Yeah, so you know, as I keep saying, I'm teaching year seven and eight next year. Isn't this yeah. ridiculous that suddenly I feel like I can start properly teaching because yes, yeah, I'm away from this year yeah, 11 Yeah, 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 the exam factory. Yeah. But yeah. So mole number pyramids was... Um, Oh, this, again, I just I was on fire with all this. I, I, I spotted the pattern. And I was well pleased with myself. So you, um, well, what they did was they gave us this number pyramid, um, and it said um, zero, one, two, three in the bottom row, and then it said one, three, five in the next row, and then four, eight in the row above, and then twelve at the top. Classic and addition pyramid. Yes, yes. Although we didn't necessarily know that. No. I mean, you could see it was. But yeah. but the idea was the zero in the bottom left was the one thing you could change. Yes. And they asked us to kind of say what we thought was going on. Um, and, and then so it was the whole... Um, the, it turns out that the bottom row was consecutive numbers from whatever you put in the first yes. box. So so if you have a zero in the first box, then you have zero, one, two, three at the bottom, but you could change that yeah. first number. Um, and then then we just kind of had a play around with them. Um, and 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 I went straight for the algebra. The thing is, I always go straight for the algebra, um, which is probably not necessarily was the intention of of what we you know because it's difficult to see things through the it's eyes of a, of a student. Yeah. So I went straight for the algebra, and we we talked about how um, we talked about what number we'd or what algebraic expression we'd always get at the top, and we realised it had to be a, a multiple of eight at the top. A multiple no, of four. A multiple of four or a multiple of eight plus four. Um, so any yeah. anything in the eight times table, if you add on four to it, you'll get the number at the top. Um, anyway, then the idea was that if they gave us a number at the top, could we work out the number in the bottom left? But of course we could because we'd done the algebra bit. Yes. But if you hadn't done the algebra, then that was hard. Yeah, nice way into the algebra yeah. though, yeah. So, um, but yeah, we had fun with that, and we because then we were playing around with ideas of um, does it have to, it doesn't it could be a negative number that you put in the bottom left, it could be a, a decimal. Um, and then do the numbers at the bottom have to go up in one in you know consecutive numbers, and it's just a whole load of um, nice 
um, algebra slash number stuff. And what what I liked about it is we thought at various points we'd finished, didn't we, essentially? Yeah, so we, then, we kind of had to say to us, yeah, we're, we've, we've, we've done, done it. Yeah. <laughs> we've done we're, it. we're done, next. <laughs> that says more about us, doesn't it? Does, it does, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, and Alison, as a seasoned professional, she always had something lined well, up. Well, Alison was like an example of brilliant math teaching <laughs> yeah. because, you know, she came over to us and I was like, look. <laughs> She'd identified I was like, us. I was like, look, we've done this algebra. We know, we know what's going on here and, and you know, what, what, what we're meant to be doing yeah, now because yeah, we're just yeah. sitting here. Yeah. And so she asks the probing questions and she gives us ideas of where we can go with it. And it's, you know, exactly what the math exactly teacher should right. do. Exactly um, right. So, yeah. It was... But it does show that that really brought it home to me that I can imagine me not doing the task first myself, going into a lesson. Yeah. And I would think that's the end of the task. Yeah. You've got to have done it yourself. You've got to have thought through the probing questions yeah. or looked on the Enrich page and, and thought these things through. So you've got something lined up for where the child is. You in know what's position. interesting is at the moment, because I'm in lots of other teachers' lessons, and what I, quite often happens is I'll be wandering around the room helping students with their maths. Um, quite often the teacher is dealing with behaviour mm. or they're at the, standing at the front and I'm kind of circulating and, yep. and, and questioning and yep. helping. And um, quite often what will happen is student will finish a task mm-hmm. um, and, the t- and the teacher won't have any kind of extension prepared. Yep. Um, and <clears throat> my feedback is normally, you need to have yeah, something yeah. in mind. So you can't have people who, I mean, I, they'll literally, students will stop working and sit for 10 minutes. Right, okay. It's like, we can't have that. We can't have this dead time. So, but what I often end up then having to do, um, and sometimes there is an extension task and they finish that, is that I then have to come up with some, good questions on the spot to something that will be sufficiently require some thinking and will keep them keep them thinking while I can go off and help other students Um, and that's really challenging for me but I I like that bit of my job because I I, when when I'm in that situation um, I think that's where I'm really drawing on my experience of being a maths teacher and I've been teaching 10 years I'm not as experienced as Mm. most people at this conference but I can still you know, think of, um, generally think of something to ask that's related to what they've just done, but, but really requires some thinking. Whereas quite often, uh, poorly chosen extension tasks yeah, don't require any right, thinking. They're not right. like real deep thinking things. They're just slightly harder numbers and stuff like that, which yes. we know this doesn't make a good yes. extension task. Um, but yeah, I think there's a, so that's what Alison did well, is that she knew what she could say to us exactly. that would send us off and she, and could, she, she could then get on with what exactly. she was doing and we would be occupied and, sh- and stretched that's right we should say that enrich provide these prompts and stuff on their they resource do, pages, yeah, yeah. which is super really helpful, helpful super helpful so that was number pyramids we had a great time yeah there, it was anyway. great and then we were just getting warmed up and this for me was my favorite bit. yeah yeah because really, I, like, I like the third one yeah. as well but anyway so I'll, I'll take the lead on this and okay. I'll, I'll hand over to, to joe so we did uh, which is bigger um, so we were given two expressions now have you written down what yes they were? it was n plus 10 and 2n plus 3 so the question is, which is bigger? Now, straight away, again, me and Joe dive into the algebra. <laughs> solved so, the so inequality. We, yeah, we, we set it up as an inequality. We solved it. We found out that, that 7 was a critical value. Yeah. So um, if n was less than 7, then n plus 10 was the bigger one. And if n was greater than mm-hmm. 7, then the 2n plus 3 was, was the bigger one. Yeah. Pens down, done and dusted. But then, <laughs> but then, so Alison was was uh, was was talking to someone else. So then I started thinking, well, what else could we do with that? What I think else? you learned from the first exercise that we had to we, we had, had to, to extend it ourselves. Yeah, we had to, we had to, we had to yeah. do something. Yeah. So then I start, I thought, well, what happens if we square them? So what happens if instead of just n plus ten, we have n plus ten all squared? Compare it to two n plus three all squared. 
what's the what's the case there so straight away and i've, I've I run this by you we were happy straight away that seven was still going to be a key point in this yes because if you square um the larger number it's still it's still, still larger big, still yeah positive. it's still the bigger square, number exactly yeah. but then knowing what we know about quadratic inequalities we suspected that maybe something different happened at a different value there's but another the thing is value. you had already done what i hadn't done which was you had sketched the graphs the linear graph yes i have of n plus 10 and 2n plus 3 and obviously the the, the value we identified of 7 was the x value of the, the, yeah, the, the where they crossed yeah. so you had already gone down that graph route which turned out later on really to useful. be a really useful thing to, to look at the graphs because it, it comes up in all sorts of things and later that was in a the fluke. task that was a fluke that, yes. was, that was a fluke but, but then because you'd done the graph then then we had the quadratic graph so we were sketching quadratics and then we were and, and we were talking about graph transformations and figuring out the best way to sketch these so we had a Decent sketch, and we have we knew they crossed at we knew they had to cross at seven, yeah, and we knew roughly that we knew the shape of the graph and where they kind of touch the touch the x axis, and we knew that one was going to be steeper than the other, so we we were pretty happy that they were going to cross in the second place, mm -hmm. um, and then we calculated that second yeah. place, so um, that was a fairly easy, and it came out to be negative thirteen over three, negative thirteen yeah. over three. So then we worked out that actually one was bigger if it was greater than seven or less than negative. And, you, and we checked on Desmos. And then we fired up we Desmos. Are, yeah. But then it was all kicking off. Because then we thought, well, wait a minute. What happens if we cubed it? What happens if we cubed it? So we know if you cube a positive, it stays positive. And you cube a negative, it stays negative. So would it be the case that it will be the exact same criteria, the exact same kind of critical value of seven as it was with the linear. Mm -hmm. So we speculated that it would be because we couldn't see an argument why it wouldn't yeah. be. And we didn't do the algebra this time. So we didn't want to be solving no, cubic. So exactly. we just did it perfectly. Uh, so we bang that on Desmos, and so it was. Yes. Um, and then we, final thing, we thought, well, let's go quartic. Yeah. Let, let's have a laugh there. And we know we get some dodgy quartics that kind of have a couple of humps in them. So was there going to be three solutions, four solutions? But we couldn't see an argument why there would be. No, it didn't make any sense. So yeah. we suspected it would have the same solutions as a quadratic, and indeed it did. It did. And then, so we had a great time doing that. But then, uh, and I made this point um, in the session, Alison then came round, well, she'd come round during the century, and she'd handed out the things we should have been working on, yeah. which was carrying on the study of the linear graphs and linear relationships. And I was thinking, oh, God, I've just been doing, you know, quadratics and cubits and quartics. Don't, don't knock me down now back to stupid linears. I'm flying here. <laughs> but then when we looked at the linear things, there were great challenges, weren't there? They were. And actually, the, the interesting thing, so, for example, it said, come up with three, expre three expressions um, where one of them is always bigger than the others yes and that's where drawing them as linear graphs because if you have three parallel lines yes. one is always at the top absolutely. so that's where the graphs really became very powerful absolutely um and but there were other things like you know find two expressions where one is always greater than uh, one is greater when um when you when it and it's greater than five or whatever so so we had we did sort of a bit of equation solving but yep. but when the questions got harder the the linear graphs were absolutely. really really helpful and <laughs> um, it was fantastic i love that actually. it's great we had I great had fun a, with it i had an absolutely brilliant time and i'll put the um I'll try and put the the well the link to the activity will be there, but I'll also put the picture of this 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 which is bigger thing. So yeah, yeah we, we had a great time. Yeah, and then we ended it, Joe, didn't we, with the polygon rings activity? Yeah. Now this this for me was a highlight. Talk talk us through this one. So this was a tessellation activity, really. So the idea was that if you have a load of regular polygons and you kind of have them in circling round in a ring, mm. um. Can we? So she started off. Was it a pentagons? I can't remember. Yeah, it was pentagons. So she put the pentagons up on the board, and you could only there were say sort of five pentagons, yep. and the question was, 
if if you continue that ring round, will it sort of fit nicer? Will it overlap or will there be a gap at the end? Um, and again, because so like in the other questions where I went straight for the algebra, here I went straight for working out the angles. Yes. And and I can't help but do no, that. No, of you know, and I love angle stuff. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not great with shape and space, like geometry, no. some geometry things I find difficult, but angles I absolutely and I suppose I love it because there's there's rules and yes. you know, I'm a, a rule yeah, kind of person. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so we worked out the angles and we did straight away realise that um there's, is it 108 degrees? I'm going to get this wrong now. 108 degrees in a pentagon. Is that well, right? This is, this is probably around about the time you did 360. Yeah, that's where I did my... Five, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so we did... 100, there was 108 degrees in the pentagon. So if you have two pentagons sitting next to each other, yeah, you've got 216 degrees. And, and then if, so if you have a ring of those, basically you've got all these 216 degree angles. And that meant that the inside had to be 144, which we know is the interior angle of a decagon. So we knew that a um, that polygon would fit in the middle nicely, exactly. which meant that they would. And then our challenge, this was the fun bit. I mean, we should say there that they had then the, the, the cards, right? That we could actually try this out. Yes, yeah, so this was ATM see. mats. So the, the, these were really great because you can draw on them. They're, they're very colourful. They're, they're big, um, flat polygons. Um, and they, they they were really nice to use. It was a good um, payoff, wasn't it? Because yeah. we, we 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 were well, we'd done the maths. We knew that decagon was going to fit in there. Yeah, and we did it, and it did. And yeah, and, right. yeah, that was that was very satisfying. Because and the thing is that we didn't. There was no doubt that that would fit because it exactly. was a mathematical it. certainty, exactly. and that's exactly. how geometry yeah. works. We knew that would fit, and of course it did fit. And then the challenge was, can we make using either um, one type of regular polygon or a mixture, could we make any other um, rings of polygons where a polygon would fit in the middle? So basically a ring of polygon that would fit together. And we were off um, then, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, and we, and, we, and we had a great strategy for figuring this out. So we said, we decided we wanted to have a dodecagon in the middle, and we just and we knew a dodecagon has 150 degrees as its interior angle, yes. and that meant that um, to have a ring around it, we were going to need 210 degrees on the outside. Yep. And we said, well, how about we sit together an equilateral triangle and another dodecagon, and that will that will give us the angle. And then and then we made one, and it, it was awesome because it we were worked. Very happy. Yeah, we were. So we had a nice photo on the it floor is. with that, and then we did another one after that, and it was all lots of fun. And we were calculating angles. And we were making tessellations, and how fun is that? It was again, and it, it, it's, it's uh, again. You, you may not agree with me, here, Joe, but like, there's a danger, isn't that we've we spoke about this before on the podcast. You go too far down the kind of cognitive science route, and the, like I oh, you lose silent the teacher yeah. and all that yeah. kind of thing. There's still a place for this kind of stuff. Now, I would argue, and this is where I know a lot of people would disagree with me. The reason that we could do all that kind of stuff was because we had some level of knowledge of the of the angles. Yes, and otherwise so. we'd just be pushing shapes on the round on the desk yeah. and it wouldn't actually be teaching us anything. Exactly. Well, no. Uh, no, I can't say that. No, no. I can't say that. Well, the, the thing is, we, we got a lot out of it because we had that knowledge. Now, yeah. if we weren't entirely fluent in it, we could get that practice whilst yeah. at the same time of doing the yes, activity. Yes. But if we had no knowledge... It would would have been incredibly frustrating. I I, I think. Yeah. So I th my view's always been, you get what well, my view is these days. I should say, you get more out of these tasks as long as there is this kind of baseline knowledge there. And it's it's whether you then focus on the problem solving or whether you help develop the fluency. But that baseline knowledge needs to be. There. I don't know. Would you Would you agree with yeah, that? Yeah. Well, I suppose the thing is, you can fit together those shapes. You could find tessellations without knowing anything about angles mm. just mm. by pushing shapes mm. together. But then you haven't learned anything about angles in polygons. Yeah. It depends which, on the aim. So I suppose it depends on the aim. Yeah. yeah. And if you assume that um, as math teachers, as secondary math teachers, we are employed with a to teach a curriculum, mm. then I suppose my aim 
aim would always be I need I need them to understand angles and polygons. And tessellation is a great way of it teaching great, angles and polygons. And I think that they, because they took tessellation off the GCSE um, spec, yep. so now. They can ask a question on tessellation, but only if they define tessellation yeah, in question. Yeah, that's right, that's um, right. So it can, but it, it, hasn't, it hasn't come up yet. And, and it used to be something that was tested in GCSE. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it, yeah. it was one of the weird things they took out. And, and what a shame, because if it means that teachers are no longer doing a lesson on tessellation, then that's a bit of a, a, a you know, it's, it's, a, it's a loss to the, the process of learning angles and polygons, because it's a, a lovely lesson on angles and polygons. It's one I of, if I, I've written a blog post on that about... Um, about it was about how much I enjoyed planning my lesson on tessellation. It's one of my favourite blog posts I ever wrote because I I delivered a lesson on tessellation, and and it was the and I talked about how I found the resources and how I decided what to teach and how it went and it, it's just one of my favourite lessons of the year. Anything to do with I love angles in general, but tessellation is a great one. Well, there we go. So that was a, a nice end to the. Uh, oh, and oh, I must. Oh, sorry, I just need to mention about signing up to the Emirates <coughs> newsletter. Oh yes, please. What I hadn't realised yes. was that um, yeah. a lot of their kind of funding and stuff like that is dependent on them having a big audience. So <coughs> if people can go to their website and sign up to their newsletter, which I'm sure is full of wonderful, you know, the, the reason to it's sign superb. up is it's it's a really good newsletter. Um, but it does really support them, and and we we would be like when we lost underground maths, we yeah. would be gutted if we lost oh, Emirates. Wow. Like that Correct. would be terrible. I mean, Emirates seems to have been around forever. Um, so to show if people want to support Enrich, signing up to their newsletter is a great way to do it. Absolutely right. Fantastic. Superb job. Well, um, yeah, that was, again, brilliant end to a, a brilliant day. And we've still got the quiz. We've still got yeah, the quiz so I went off to the ATM. A, no, I didn't go to the ATM. I went to the MA. AGM. The AGM the for the MA. <laughs> um, and then we had curry. curry. There's such good food at this conference. It's great. And now we have, what, about half an hour till the quiz. And that's very exciting. And we are not at all... Um, stressed about um, winning, we're just going to have fun. We're going to see about that because there's <laughs> there's a few kind of competitive people here. I'm, I'm putting my hand up as, as one of them. And also, as I say, I've had a few run-ins with some of these people on social media. So what better way to get revenge than to beat them on the quiz? Yes, but if we don't win, then you're going to yeah, feel like... I'm going like, to feel horrendous. Yeah, yes. that's, that's true. So, that's true. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, Joe, thanks so much as ever for We'll have to, we'll have to let us. everyone know on Twitter because we're not doing a podcast tomorrow. Because I'm going to be here all day tomorrow, I'm but going you're going. Go on, so on. we will have to um, let people know of our victory. Because people will be desperate to know. <laughs> I'm people, sure they're on the edge of their seat, Craig. I know. I know, yeah. I know. Um, so thanks Joe for, for joining us and um, thank you everybody for listening and um, we'll probably we'll try and do one of these at MEI maybe we're both yeah, at MEI so yeah, we'll, yeah. Try and, we'll try and squeeze in and, another of these at some point and of course Joe will be back doing topics in depth we've signed up yeah. for that and also you promised for kind of a bit of reflections on the year and all that kind of thing at some point yeah so, we've look, got all sorts of exciting projects coming we've got it, yeah, yeah a big yeah. announcement coming from me and Joe at yeah. some point so we'll, we'll, but we'll yeah, leave that, well, yeah, that hanging hang in the air leave that hanging in the air anyway but anyway um really uh hope you enjoy these conference takeaway podcasts thank you for tuning in that's why me and joe do them if it well we probably still do them if nobody was listening because they're quite good they're quite good fun it does make a does make a big difference and yeah. i haven't been to the toilet during this one as well good. yeah so, that's uh, a relief because that was that was uh, ridiculous <laughs> last night me talking to myself yeah. <laughs> so anyway uh thank you very much for listening take care of yourselves everybody and bye for now